welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. A few years back, I was with a group of people where somebody was kind of lamenting about how much the industry has changed. At some point during the conversation, someone asked what my thoughts were about how different everything was and how different it seemed like it was going to be. I answered with a metaphor that had been forming in my mind as I listened to the mild rant. I said that I felt like we were all standing on a beach and a big tsunami was headed our way. We all knew that it was enormous and powerful. We all saw it coming. And the way I saw it, we had three choices. Stand up to the tsunami as though it wasn't really a big deal. Turn tail and run for the hills. Or grab a surfboard and ride the wave like a boss. Ted Linzak grabbed a board. And he and his wife, Rachel, are still riding those waves. Ted is all about doing your best no matter the circumstances. He tackles typical by knowing his craft as well as he can, both behind the camera and in the sales room. So start off and and just say, tell me who you are and where you're from and a little bit about what what you guys do. Sure, yeah. So I am Ted Linzak along with my wife, uh, Rachel Linzak. Mm-hmm. We own and operate Nouveau Images in Charleston, South Carolina. I am originally from the Cleveland, Ohio area, Northeast Ohio, which pretty much spent my whole upbringing there. We started our business back in uh, 2006, so it's kind of a whirlwind thing for us. I met Rachel at Baldwin Wallace. We both attended Baldwin Wallace, which is outside of Cleveland. It's a small little university. I met her there, and it's kind of a funny story. I don't uh, don't advocate this for everybody, but it's like we met in September of 2005. I proposed to her in December of 2005, what? and we got married in July of 2006. I know, it's crazy. Really? It's crazy. It's, crazy. it's a true story. But you know, 13 years later, here we are. So it was you, crazy. You just knew. I just knew. I mean, it, it sounds so cheesy because people say well, that, but... Obviously, you just knew. I, I just knew. And so did she. I just knew. We, you know, after a couple of weeks... I think we were both... This sounds so, I don't know, like I'm above everybody. But I felt we were more mature than a lot of people our age at the time. Well, maybe you were. I mean, I don't know if that's true. In many ways, we probably weren't. But I feel like we were rooted, good family systems, good um, you know, good value system. Yeah. And we just said, you know, this is this is great. So I don't, I don't know. I don't advocate that for everybody. But it's, hold, it's, it's holding up. It is holding up. It is holding up. We're good, still alive. We have good. three cats that, that you know, we, we love, and they love us, of course. So I guess that's an indicator. So you're in Charleston, and your main, your bread and butter is weddings. We're in Charleston now. We moved there about six or seven years ago. Main bread and butter is weddings. We do a decent amount of portrait work, always looking to expand that. Um, but it's been a fun ride. I mean, it's been a fun ride. I always tell people, if you told me... 14 years ago or 13 years ago that I'd be photographing weddings for a living, I probably would have laughed at you. Really? Because I, I mean, I was not at all into photography in any way, shape, or form. I always viewed myself as artistic. Yeah. And I was little, and the joke was I thought I was going to be a Disney animator, which is hilarious. Do they animate anything and it's all on the computer, <laughs> right? But that was like right. my dream. Right. I love to draw. So I always had this artistic side. But when I met Rach, her parents and her mom, who is a, she's a master photographer, she's very accomplished. She had just started get getting into doing weddings and portraits, mm-hmm. 
And she was the one that first kind of showed me what weddings were and what photography was. And Rachel said, hey, my parents do this photography thing. Would you ever like consider doing it? Mm. And I was a business major. I thought I was going to be a CPA, and that was my whole right. my you know, which I, is hilarious when I think about it now. But me also, being a CPA. pretty awesome now to be able to bring that into the mix. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. a lot of people need what you have. Absolutely, it's just so funny because it's just a different different world in a lot of ways. But yes, yes. So she started showing me this stuff, and I said, "Yeah, why don't we? You know, why don't we give it a try? Let's see if you know, we can start this photography you know, on the side, <laughs> you know, like how everybody does, right?" Yeah, yeah. But you know, we got married in '06. You know, we we put a website up. I designed it myself. On if you saw it, you'd I mean, it was like on GeoCities or something. Sure. It was ridiculous, the worst yeah. thing in the world. But we started booking clients. Yeah, and I told people we did a ton of things wrong. We did a few things right, but. Within about six months, we were booking enough to go full time. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I got my degree. I was supposed to go back because like for your CPA, it was like another year of credits that I needed. I forget what it was, but I, I never ended up going back. I just got my bachelor's and we just decided let's go full force and the rest is history. And I guess. here you are. <laughs> here I am. So we're going to talk about how, how do you word it? Tackling typical. Tackling typical. How to dominate the average wedding day, yes. Tell me tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, so it's a class I've done in a few different forms over the couple of years, uh, the last couple of years, but the main gist of it is how can we as wedding photographers consistently go into any situation and come out victorious, for lack of a better way to explain it. Well, because there's so many variables. There's a ton of variables. Right. And not every wedding is the most incredible venue and the most incredible no. timeline, right? Like the and occasionally, yeah, but right. the majority is not to put it down. It's just average right. small venue. You may only have 30 minutes. The couple may not be the most photogenic, amazing, fabulous model couple in the world. Right. But how does that mean that we don't come away with great images as wedding photographers? Right. We kind of have to, right? Cause that's, that's what, what we're getting paid to that's do. What you're supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So the main part of it though, looks at, you know, people always want a silver bullet. They say, well, okay, what, what are you selling? What's the, what's the thing that's going to do it? <laughs> and the gist of the program is knowing your craft, like understanding your craft in an incredibly intimate way, hmm. understanding lighting and posing and composition in a way that you can walk into any room and quickly decipher what is the best composition? What's the best corner? Where are the lines leading? Where is the light falling the best? And then once we do that, what kind of pose, what kind of moment do we want to create? I've always found every struggle that I've had when I get into a situation, I'm trying to figure out something. I, it's never my camera. It's mm. never because I don't have the newest Sony. It's never because I don't have the best lights. It's because there's something limiting me in my brain, not knowing how to work the posing and not mm. knowing how to work the light. That's what tends to be the block for me. So I focus on the craft to show people that the gear and all that's all well and good, but you have to, you have to understand lighting in an intimate way. Mm. Because as wedding photographers, like you said, we deal with all kinds of lighting. Yeah. Yep. Right? I mean, natural light, of course. It could be beautiful. But what if it's a cloudy day and it's incredibly overcast? Right. I mean, are you just going to say, well, oh, it'll be fine and we'll still shoot? Or, right. or do we maybe need to know how to bring our own lighting and sculpt and shape with our own lighting? Right. And off-camera lighting or video lights or whatever. Um, same with posing. You know, couples invest a lot of money. They want to look incredible. Brides want to look incredible. I don't believe the line that people hire you and then say they want to look average. They want to look incredible. So right. posing comes into play. How do we make someone either shine and look their best or or if we don't know posing, we can actually make them look horrible. Right. You can make it actually worse. Yeah. Right. So it, it centers around all those those craft fundamental things that I think a lot of people 
poo-poo for lack of a better word you know they say oh, i know all i know lighting and i know composition but it's it's trying to dig deeper to show people do you really know do you really spend time consistently honing that mm-hmm. so that's 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 the main part of it yeah. where do you let me let me ask it this way where do you get your objective standard regarding things like lighting True. or posing or yeah. anything that you know in a sense can can be considered subjective yeah. to some degree yeah but where do you where do you draw from to say like this is how it should be done yeah that's a great question because every time this topic inevitably comes up that's kind of what a lot of people say and it's kind of almost the discussion of well art is art whatever you create and it's kind of which to a point, I guess I'll have a two-part answer to your question because I think that's maybe the the macro level part of that discussion. Yeah. When it comes in, is art art? Is anything we, as long as you create from your heart, is that all that matters? <laughs> right. So let me handle the macro, and then maybe I'll handle the micro good, about good. inspiration. I like so, I like <laughs> I like I like you going at it that way. Yeah. I like that. So on the macro level, my whole thing with art is art. This is the analogy I always use when we have this discussion because people, it's it's a valid discussion. I liken photography to music. They're both art forms, right? Yeah. Okay. And even if you're not a you know a musician per se, you played the radio, you've taken a, a music class in elementary school. Most right. people are familiar with the basics of music. Right. So I always tell people, okay, pretend like at my imaging class, if I rolled in a piano and I rolled it to the center of the stage and I sat down, and everyone got really quiet, and I, I lifted up the whatever you call the thing that covers the keys. <laughs> I lifted it up, I sat down. And rather than playing some amazing concerto, I began banging my fists on the keys, right? right. If I did that for two or three minutes, I mean, right. the, the room would clear out, uh, probably would never get asked to speak at PPA again. Most likely, um, yeah. Yeah, and people would leave, and they, <laughs> what are you, they say, what are you doing, you know? Right. So say I did that for a few minutes, and I stopped, thank God, and then everyone came back in, and I surveyed them, and I'd say, okay, guys, who thought that was music? Yeah. And who thought that was noise? Most people probably would say it was noise. There's right. always someone. There's like always one hipster person. They're like, yeah, I love that. That was amazing. Yeah, there's, there's always one. But, but by and large, people would say it's noise. And why? Why would they say that? Rightfully so. Because in music, in every single song from Bach to Beethoven to Taylor Swift, right. as complex or as simple as it gets, there's a root, there's a foundation, there's chords, there's progressions, right. there's a structure. So even though music is this incredible thing, where we can have this unique uh, flair and people could you know, do their own thing and do their own expression, there's still a basis, there's a foundation. And I think culture readily accepts that, right? Mm-hmm. That just because that now, most people, it's, it's noise. Just like you don't pick up a guitar and just start flailing the strings and moving your fingers and random, there's structure. So it's funny that in music that's readily accepted, but in photography, you roll in the metaphoric uh, photography piano and you metaphorically bang on the keys in the same way. And instead of people walking out, people are like, oh my gosh, that's, that, you're, you're amazing. You should shoot weddings for a living. And, mm. and, and they, they readily accept anything. I mean, not all the time, but in general, culture has become like, yeah, photography, whatever you shoot, you shoot. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all about, we can have these discussions about what, what grabs you and what grabs me and different right. lighting, but I still believe... In any genre of photography, and this is why I love PPA, it's why I love image competition, because it teaches people this, there's a foundation to every great image that's been created, there are building blocks, you know, lighting, posing, composition, the moment maybe for different, you know, photojournalism, and we can list them, but there are building blocks. Mm -hmm. So they're either there or they're not, and I see no difference between music. So it's just funny that culture accepts one and they don't accept the other. I would say... 
they're both the same. There has to be a foundation. That's why I'm a big believer in teaching those things. Do you feel like the game has changed, though, in the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years? Have, have, have those standards shifted? I wish I knew that. I'm not sure. I feel like the newer upbringing of photographers, the newer generation that's coming in, I hate to pick on them because I, I mean, I'm, I'm not that old, but I'm not that young in a weird, <laughs> yeah. we're probably fairly similar um, in that weird stage. I don't know. I mean, there's an abundance of education, right? There's an mm-hmm. abundance of education. Um, it's not like you can't find these things, right? I mean, when I, you know, in 2005, 2006, from even from 10, 12 years ago, the world has changed completely. Now you can basically go on YouTube and find anything in the universe about anything. Yeah. So it's odd because you have that available, but I do feel a lot of the newer generation have that attitude. And, and maybe it's just a generational thing, maybe a millennial thing or whatever you want to call it, that this idea of rules is constricting. Right. And self-expression and rules, those two words don't go together. Right, they conflict. There's a conflict there. And I I don't believe in that. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody my age, and I can't speak, obviously, for the younger generation, but that's the million-dollar question. I don't know. Yeah. I, and I don't know how to solve that. I mean, I think organizations like PPA make a great effort, you know, to try to educate people. But it's hard to say because, you know, you know, and we all know as photographers, there are photographers that maybe are not as good as others, but they, they have a ton of clients and they're making a ton. They have great, so it's a personal, it's a personal thing on some levels. I just say, Hey, why not be a great business person and learn your craft as good as you can? Like, why not be both? How how important has that been for you? You bring that up and you having the background that you do and the formal education to some degree that you do. Mm-hmm. How important has that been for you in your business and your success? Like um, on the business side, you're yeah, saying, like or? knowing, yeah. Yeah. knowing about business, knowing, like having those concepts and integrating them yeah. into your company. Sure, incredibly important because in the end, you, you have to make money and right. you have to allocate it wisely, and you have to know how to grow, and you have to understand just the basics. I mean, in the end, we have to make money. In the end, it's it's a it's a well being thing, right? I mean, without uh, without clients and without proper uh, investment in your marketing and allocating those in a correct way, I mean, you have no business, right? So, and on the flip side, I, I love the craft, and I love you know it's it's a romantic notion the craft of photography, and we can right. talk about it all day. But the bottom line is, if I don't have clients, no. So it's been it's been a tremendous help because I've had that perspective, you mm-hmm. know. And likewise, I've seen a just like we talked about. I see a lot of businesses that people get into it and they're great photographers yet their businesses they go nowhere they go out of business or they're right. constantly struggling and it's like right. i don't get that right because you're incredible and it's a lack of of that business knowledge right um look at in-person sales i mean i've been we haven't been doing it that long i mean probably four or five years in the last three years we've really honed it in and that's one thing that i'm amazed how many people are i don't say against it but almost are not interested in learning like how to sell properly. How does tackling typical look in the sales room? We talk about it a little bit, but not, not as much like in the hour program that I'm teaching now, I don't really right. touch on it because I want to focus more on the craft. Sure. But, but, overall, but I mean like conceptually. Yeah, concept, yeah. It's incredibly important because look at any studio, any portrait studio and wedding studio to that point, but especially in the portrait world, the top studios that are grossing however much, I mean, that are incredibly successful, they're all employing this method. Yeah. So when I tell photographers, I mean, can you really afford to not know how to properly present and sell yeah. your work? Yeah. 
It's amazing the discussions we get into because I, quite frankly, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not, you know, it's easier to just do a gallery and it's easier to just just sell the files and, and you've, you've heard it. We've all heard it, right? Well, it I don't is, have the it, clients it around It is easier. Yeah, it, well, it is, yeah. <laughs> but once you realize, right, once you get that first sale yeah. and you go in there and you've been selling three, four, five hundred dollars or a hundred dollars and then suddenly it's like, wow, I've sold two, three, four, five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. That, for me, that's a light bulb. I mean, right. I remember that moment right? because I came from the perspective of saying those same things. I, yeah. Seven years ago, I said, you know, as a very inexperienced uh, beginner, you know, there's no money there if you're not selling files. You know, I, right. I thought I knew everything. Okay, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but one, just like a lot of us are, right? You have, yeah. you have this bad attitude at first. But then I once I saw it and I said, oh, let's try it. Let's tweak it. Yeah. And then we got to the point where, you know, you start averaging four and $5,000 sales. And it's like, wow, who would not do that? Right, right. And it's sad when I see photographers that don't, and I tell people, if you're starting out, learn the right way. Learn those business fundamentals because you can save yourself so much time and so much heartache and so many years of, you know, I think about now clients that that we didn't run through that system and it makes me, you know, cry to a point (laughs) because all this money we left on the table. And it's not just about money, it's a benefit, you know, Mm -hmm. like in-person sales in particular, it's a benefit for the client. Right. In, in so many ways, you know, I mean, it's a it's a crazy service to be able to sit down with them and offer them the the expertise and to work, talk them through everything. No one else is doing that. Right. People that just shoot and burn and all that. There's no service there. Mm-mm. It's a it's a hello. Give me your money. And here's a link. You yeah. Know? Right. Here's your files. So and, and we we all start somewhere. We all start somewhere. I get that. But man, the quicker you realize that the quicker you surround yourself with people that that are in that that realm, you will grow so much quicker. Do you not offer digital files at all? For weddings, we do. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's a little bit of a different animal because we focus on album sales mm-hmm. and, and upselling and all that kind of thing and big books. So on the wedding realm, we offer the files, price it accordingly, but the main thing is we're upselling pages. We're selling large out. That's our focus. So for me, the files, I find they don't affect that at all. So they're, are they just getting the files of the album? No, they're just getting proofs. So for weddings, we sell proofs, which I would call basic adjustments, Mm -hmm. basic kind of exposure Mm -hmm. and color Mm -hmm. adjustments. But you're trying to sell an album. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's your goal. And I, yeah. And what, what I do personally, I tell people, I like to include a book in a collection Mm -hmm. in all the collections. And even if your base collection, nothing extravagant, but I say offer some sort of, of low cost entry book, because if the book is there and you have a proper system to, pre-design an album, present, sell it. in. It's very much an in-person sales thing. It's just not for portraits. It's for album sides. Right. If you have that system in place, it's almost it's almost dummy-proof to the point that you can easily sell a couple thousand dollars at minimum to each client if you run them through that system. And I think if the album's there already, just from my own system, I feel it's a lot easier because you don't have to sell the album. Right. Of course, proper pricing and all that is, is a big part of this discussion. Yeah, but it's key. It's key. And and having an album, it's a tangible thing. I mean, our society right. is losing that, right? We've right. all heard the power of print. I mean, that's what an album is. It's a legacy product. Is that a big motivator for you? It is. It is. I think, uh, and I'm guilty of not printing enough as well. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> right? I print stuff for the business, but my own stuff, should I be printing more? Absolutely. Right. You know, we did a bridal show the other day, and, and something I like to bring up with everybody that comes to, the, to that kind of thing, a bride comes to the table and we talk to them. I say, yeah, these books are, they're legacy products. Now, it's incredible to think that in 20 years, you and your husband can look through this, but I tell people, and this is hard for all of us, imagine a world where you've, you're gone, and a future generation can actually pick up that book and 
look at the history of how yeah. your family started. Like think, I always tell people, think of your grandparents. Imagine if your grandparents didn't print anything. Imagine if they didn't get a wedding album. Think of the enjoyment that you get to be able to look back and look at grandma and granddad. Think of that. You're going to offer that to someone right. by investing in something like that. So right. you get people in that mindset, and suddenly it's not just uh, it's a it's a book, and and I can do this at Shutterfly, and they have all these ideas of the cheapness of it. You take them to a whole new world of this is a legacy product that will leave an impact for multiple generations, and it gets them in a totally different mindset. I like the words that you're using, I try. <laughs> yeah. Well, be, would I, you I, like I, to buy an album? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I, the, the just your verbiage is important because I think that value is based on perception so much, and the, and the perception is is very much affected by what you're saying and how you're saying it. Right? Like Absolutely. The, the, the the words are powerful and like, important. In, incredibly important. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you you know that. I mean, verbiage in selling anything like where is the you have to show people the value. So yep. I, I like those the terms of generational and and legacy, and you get them to that. You know, of course, away from the analytical and into the emotional. But it's real. It's not. Yeah. It's not a gimmick. Right. I mean, it's an absolutely real thing that we can all relate to. Yeah. There's there, and there's significant you know? value to it. Like significant it's it, value. I like legitimate. Yes. It's not a. You're not trying to swindle anybody. No. Right. And you know, you know especially with portraits, um, you know, you walk, it's funny. We did a road trip. We had some time in October. We went up to New England. And uh, we talked before the show. I like to, uh, we love to drive. I love doing road trips. And Rachel, she's, she goes along with it. I train her to enjoy driving <laughs> in a car. So we did a road trip in New England. I went to a bunch of different little towns. And I remember this one, Rachel's a equestrian, okay? She likes oh. the horse thing. Yeah. Oh. So I, essentially, I have no money at all. Um, so she's into that. So we, we walked into some equestrian shop, and there was a, I'll say a mediocre, that sounds bad, like a painting of a horse on the wall that they mm -hmm. were selling. They had some other paintings. And I looked at the price tag, and it was like $1,800 for a 20 by 24 yeah. of this, yeah, this painting of a horse, which is which is whatever. But I looked at that, and it was, and I use this illustration when I teach this kind of stuff. If a non-customized painting of a mediocre horse is going to sell for $1,800, how much should a beautifully constructed right. portrait of a family that is custom created for you for them yeah that's printed that's framed that's guaranteed that has amazing finish on it how much should that be valued at right right and look walk into any art gallery i mean how much would you pay for a beautiful piece of art now think of something created just for you and that's now that's where the craft comes in because yeah. if you're creating stuff that you know that looks like it was done with an iphone or the lighting's not there or we're not thinking about posing i mean yeah there could be an argument how much is that worth but if we're beautiful lighting, classic posing. I mean, if we're creating something that no one else can create and then we sell it correctly, we describe it correctly, we finish it correctly, suddenly it's hard to argue that, you know, how much should that be worth? It should be worth quite a bit if it's going to last forever. If someone is interested in really getting after this, yeah. right? Let's say, let's say they're a shoot and burn person at this point and yeah. they're, and they're, or they're just offering files or whatnot. But what you're saying is resonating and they're interested in, kind of taking that next step. What does tackling typical look like from an educational standpoint? Like where, where do they go? Where, where does somebody go to take that next step and to learn more? Oh man, what a question. Well, um, what resources have yeah. you have worked for you in particular? Cause now you're so, a resource. Sure. I, I am a resource. I'm a, of course you can, if you can take a class, if you ever see me, I would love right. for someone to attend, but beyond that, 
You know, number one for sales, people always ask, you know, getting into sales. What what do you is there are there photography books? I'm sure there are many. You know what we do a lot of is any sales book that you can get your hand on. Right. Get your hands on. And even, you know, YouTube, we can talk about the importance of live in-person education, which I believe in, but YouTube it could be a great resource too. There are a million sales videos on there. So don't think it has to be just about um just about learning, you know, from the photography standpoint. Selling right. is selling. Right. The things you say, how you approach it, the body language and all that kind of thing. So get watch as many of those as you can because that's a, that's a free resource right there. Right, of course. Um, number one thing. Number two, things like PPA are incredibly important. And talking about the younger generation, I think there is this notion that PPA and organizations, likewise to the craft of photography, there are, there are rules and PPA is a bunch of old guys. And there's like this idea, right, where right. Um, it's constricting and we don't want to be a part of that and all that kind of thing. But PPA is an incredible resource because you become a member. I mean, we can rattle off all the benefits you can get, but things like the videos that they have. I mean, there's a whole educational library of anything from retouching to business basics that you can get into. Imaging conference, which we're at right now, incredible, incredible resource. Three days of a ton of learning. Mm -hmm. But one of the best things of PPA is getting a better perspective on the industry. Mm. I always tell people, you know, networking and having your your clique of uh, photographers, like we all have our own little groups in our cities where we're from, right? That can be an incredibly good thing, but sometimes it could be one of the worst things that could ever happen in your business. So mm. let me explain. What I mean by that is sometimes people like say, let's go back to the in-person sales, just because it's a great, a great kind of analogy for this or a story for this. If you're grouped with a bunch of photographers that are all selling files for a couple hundred bucks and everyone's doing shoot and burn and you're, you're in that mentality, it's hard to escape that, <laughs> right? Because you look around and it's like everyone's doing that. Yeah. You have this idea that this is the universe. Yeah. And I tell people when you join something like PPA, suddenly you're not in the forest, but you've climbed up to the hillside and you look at what you thought was just a few trees. It's like, man, there's a whole expanse of, yeah. of, of trees and there's yeah. a river there and a mountain. And suddenly yeah. you see, wow, people like me that don't have some fancy studio, they're just a, a home-based studio. They are making big bucks selling beautiful portraits yeah. and, and they're not, they're normal clients that are right. spending money and it gives you a new perspective. It's yeah. suddenly, it's like, wow, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Because I think people have that impression too. They say, well, you can only make a ton of money in photography if you have a 8,000 square foot studio and all that stuff. Right. Listen, we've always had a home studio for 14 years, Yeah. you know, and we've, we've done incredibly well and I'm not saying that, that that's wrong or that's the best way or whatever, but the idea that you have to have everything in order to make money is not true. Right. Right. So, so join PPA, get these resources, see that there is a world out there beyond your little just click of friends, you know? Yeah. Because again, that could be a good thing, but it could be a bad thing. And I think number three would probably be, in terms of the crafts of photography, you know, research out art. Look at art. Ooh, I like that idea. And, yeah. and a lot of people say it's outside a, of the box. So outside of the I mean, yeah. go to an art museum. You right. know, look at you know, the classics we think about, but even the not so classic. I mean, Caravaggio and Rubens, and you know, I talk a lot about. Um, um, chiaroscuro, you know, in the whole context of, of creating dimension with light and, mm-hmm. and making a, an image look three-dimensional, you know, learn from these guys because, you know, hundreds of years ago, before we had Google and Lightroom and Profoto and all the fancy toys, these guys were painting yeah. with more depth than, quite frankly, a lot of us photograph with right. today. Right, that's true. And it's pretty amazing when you, th- you, know, you study Rembrandt and how he worked in a studio and how he flagged light to come in. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. So can we learn something from these guys? I would say absolutely yes. yes. So look at art. And then on the flip side, spend money on education. 
Right. Get into a hands-on class. Don't think you're going to learn everything on YouTube. Because mm -hmm. YouTube and Creative Live and all these things that we have in our culture today for, for in the industry, they're good. But I, just, I don't think you're going to watch a Creative Live video over the weekend and know how to shoot a wedding. Like, right. It's not going to happen. Right. Versus being in a class with a with a qualified instructor. Let me say that. you know, mm -hmm. be, be careful because you know, unfortunately the, the educational industry has, has been a... Let's say there's a lot of people maybe in it that are just looking to make a lot of money. So look look at people that are, I think, that are actually in the industry, that yeah. are photographing weddings or photographing portraits, that are actually doing it. I think you could probably learn the most from some of those people. Right. Because they're not just kind of all above everything and, and talking about things that they're not even doing. Yeah. So research out who you're with. But in a class, I mean, you could sit down. You could you can raise your hand. You can ask a question. You can have a dialogue with someone. Two way street. You don't have right. that on YouTube, right? Yeah, I like the two way street yeah, aspect of that. So I mean, those are some tips. They're great. Those are some that, tips. I I love the art piece in particular. I like looking outside of the industry for inspiration and to and to learn from. Well, from I like the, the. I'm also thinking of standing on the mountain, looking at the forest and the river and the other mountain. That's a really good picture. Yeah, sure. Um, but you have to climb that mountain. You have to get out of that little section of the forest that you live in absolutely um where can people find you guys yeah like where where are you at so on the web if you want to see more of our work and see a little more of what we do um we basically uh, in a convoluted kind of way i have two studios so in charleston we are nouveau images so if you go online you look at nuvoimages.com you will find our studio site there um we started our business in cleveland when we moved i kind of retained our original studio name which is linzac photography mm. that's in cleveland so i kept the separate at the time my thinking was kind of to differentiate the brand so mm. um, i don't shoot in cleveland a ton occasionally for referral clients and stuff i travel up there but you can check out the websites i'll also mention if you are a photographer looking to get some great resources and some daily inspiration. Um, I do have a Facebook group, and it's a it's a free group. It's for pro photographers. As long as you're you're a photographer in some realm, you can request to join. But it's called From Commodity to Craft. Okay, mm. that's the group. If you search for that on Facebook, and what I do there is once a week, um, usually two to three times a week, I will post either a behind the scenes video, a lighting diagram, some information about in person sales, uh, live videos. I try to do an image critique like once a month where people can submit images. Um, obviously there's no cost to it. And it's just, you know, the name from commodity to craft. My whole thing is let's take this industry from the quasi commodity kind of niche that it's becoming where people think, well, if it's anyone can do photography and right. raise it back up right. to an esteemed industry where it's right. like, wow, I need to know the intricacies of all these things to create right. beautiful work. Right. So from commodity to craft, check it out, join the group. Um, you know, it's a Facebook group. So there's a ton of info. If you use the search feature, you will find a lot of videos and a lot of great discussions. So I like you, I like the fact that you're raising the bar. I know it's that's such an overused statement, but yeah, I, I am. I guess I'm trying that's to. How I'm I trying, see it. I'm trying to do my part. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I've been there, just like all of us, right? You climb the ladder and then you look behind and you, you try to you try to help others yeah. to get up because I. Like in person sales, if everyone does that, doesn't hurt anybody. Like if someone in my area employs that kind of thing, it doesn't hurt my business. It raises everything up because exactly. it teaches the public that, hey, this is not just worth 50 bucks, but it's worth a couple thousand dollars. Right. That, that's a help to the industry. And this likewise with the craft. If we all become incredible photographers, you know, if, if the PPA image competition suddenly has, uh, you know, 5,000 diamond photographers or something like that, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. I've never yeah. been a diamond, so it's going to happen. I, know. <laughs> I say that That's not a as a brag. I've never been there. I've That's never a been goal. there, That's but a it's goal. a goal. But 
we're all better for it. Right. I agree. I agree. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Absolutely. Today. That was a pleasure. Have a good one. Yep.